the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and welcome to the Marketing Forward Movement, where marketing, communications, and tech are finally playing on the same team and making healthcare all about consumers and innovation. If you want to be a part of it, then this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in this new movement, and you're going to be one of the ones leading meaningful change. We have no choice but to move forward, and we need your help to evolve, accelerate, and shift the way that healthcare is experienced. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Shift.Health YouTube channel, go do it today and you'll have access to our latest video chat series called The Resilience Journey. This series was created for everyone who's struggling with an unexpected job change, a derailed career plan, or unfulfilling work. And judging by how many of you have reached out to me, I know there's a lot of you in that situation. Join me as I uncover the unexpected moments in the career journeys of admirable leaders by digging into the moments in their careers that we don't often hear about. Episode 3 features Jess Colombo and speaks particularly to younger professionals who are putting a lot of pressure on yourselves. It's free and available on demand at Shift.Health, so go subscribe on YouTube today. So here's what's going to go down right now. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week about the cost of doing nothing. Then we've got best-selling author Dan Polino in the house for a very relevant down-to-earth chat about healthcare's part in combating systemic racism and social disparities. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. The cost of doing nothing isn't zero. Pushing a boulder uphill is tough, and the hard part is when you stop for a moment, it starts rolling back downhill. I look at healthcare marketing and communications and see an industry ready to be disrupted, but standing paralyzed and caught up in fear. I sense that there's a lot of trepidation that's keeping many of us from becoming change agents, and I'm here to help you overcome the discomfort. Because we all know that COVID-19 has been exhausting, which can make it easier to stick with the status quo, and we ultimately need to take care of ourselves and know our limits. What I don't want to happen, though, is for that boulder to start slipping back down the slope. We've made a lot of progress as an industry, and what I fear is that healthcare marketers and communicators could be charting a path of least resistance through COVID and are going to wake up on the other side wondering what happened when their team structures and their budgets get blown up because their businesses have moved on without them. None of us want that. Last week, Chris Bevelo and I talked about the risk of what happens when we finally get that seat at the table and we don't seize the opportunity. He reported that he's hearing marketing leaders being invited to the table and presented with the opportunity that we've been asking for, which is a great positive thing to hear. So I've been thinking a lot about both the opportunity and the risk, and I'm convinced that there's far more risk in actually sitting still. Jonah Berger, the author of Contagious, wrote in his last book, The Catalyst, The Dangers of the Status Quo Bias. 
In other words, the cost of inaction. So I'm attempting to surface that cost to you to help you realize that in times of continual disruption, doing things the same way is more costly than changing. Granted, we all know this has to happen from both sides of the equation. The C-suite has to evolve their understanding of the value that we're bringing. And at the same time, we have to grow in our understanding of what the C-suite cares about, namely, what grows the business. My question then is what's preventing you from growing professionally right now? Do we not know where to find the information? Are we not supported by managers to spend the time to learn it? Or are we simply overwhelmed and exhausted? So one way or the other, do we need a blueprint? Do we need a starting point? Do we need tactics? If so, here are three for starters. Number one, become a data czar, not a data dinosaur. Listen to Carrie Lycan explain this concept in episode 123. It was just a couple of weeks ago. And then watch the fantastic series by Symphony RM called Accelerating Recovery with Data. They're on LinkedIn Live every Friday and then available on demand at shift.health. Number two, learn to immerse yourself in the C-suite's world. I recommend the Contemporary Marketer series with Paul Soblowski that talks about this in detail. Also available at shift.health. Number three, obsess about the intersection of business strategy, brand, and digital engagement in the post-COVID world. You guessed it, there's a series for this on shift.health as well. It's called Now What? And it was the first series to talk about post-COVID planning, and it all still applies just as much today. Pushing a boulder is tough, but it's easier when more hands join the effort. Let's grow together and become the change agents our industry needs. We can do this. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right. Hey, listeners, today I've got Dan Polino in the house, which I'm particularly excited about as we start to explore some potential topics, some new topics here on the podcast. Dan is the founder of Everyone Matters, a social impact enterprise. It's dedicated to ensuring that everyone has equal access to citizen-based services, healthcare, and education. He's a regular contributor to the discussion on healthcare and citizen-based services on CNN, Bloomberg, BBC, and other media outlets. Most recently, just last September, he released and wrote the book, Trusted Healers. This book takes us on a journey on the future of healthcare and how it's all within our grasp. There are three pillars that we're going to talk about today during the rap battle from that book and some very interesting, relevant discussions about societal change and healthcare. And I just want to welcome Dan. Dan, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. What I ought to just mention to listeners too, I don't want to bury the lead here, is that we might have a first on this program in preparing for this episode. You made me aware that there is something special you have planned. We're going to save it to later in the program, but it may or may not be a wrap that you have put together specifically for this program. And, and I, am, I am just, I'm touched by that. So I can't wait. Well, I'm, I am so uh, impressed by what you've done and the listeners that you have and uh, so anyway, we put together a little something special towards the end. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but it'll be a first for me too. Oh, well, like the world debut. Okay. I love it. I love it. Maybe this will be a trend. Maybe we'll get more, more guests doing this. We can only hope. But anyway, some of the work, it was hard to encapsulate all the work that you have done in an intro. And I know I barely scratched the surface, but the world that you have been working on capturing and, and sharing out with the rest of us, particularly when it comes to, to healthcare and health policy, I'm finding this is, is such, didn't just have to do with societal events recently, with protests and with society kind of waking up to a lot of different discussions that, that we should have been talking about for a long time now. I'm happy to see those discussions coming to the forefront, having a spotlight shined on them again. And I think this discussion is, is so important for us. 
just quite frankly, we, we all owe it to ourselves, you know, as we, as we back out and start thinking about a lot of you listening, you're, you're a healthcare, you're, you're a marketer in one world or another. Uh, you're marketing on behalf of a healthcare organization or to a healthcare organization, right? And if we actually back that out one step of like what my identity is, I'm a healthcare marketer. What if I back that identity out one more level and say, I'm a healthcare marketing citizen? You know, it's kind of a new concept, I feel like. And what you wrote the book about, in my mind, has everything to do with that. Because a marketer, really, one of their responsibilities is to have their finger on the pulse of what's going on, of the audiences that you are connecting with, that you are trying to inform them or commit them to act on something. You're persuading them to act in a certain way. Sometimes it's to buy something. Sometimes it's just to be informed about something. And that's a, a central role of a marketer. And I don't hear it talked about that often. And so I think when we talk about the link between that and understanding societal change, understanding how people feel about healthcare, whether it is a right or a privilege, for instance, because I do want to get into that. There are so many different ways we can go about this. And so I feel like let's move right into our rap battle because this is where we're really going to talk about those three pillars of the book, Dan. Rap Battle! Rap Battle is where we challenge the status quo in healthcare. We tended to, in the first couple of years of this program, really focus on, on just the intersection of marketing and digital healthcare and how we engage consumers. And we still talk about that. But now we're kind of bringing in this new element, this new perspective about society itself and what are our responsibilities as citizens. So there are three pillars of trusted healers that you really focused on in the book. And I want to dive into those. Let's start with what those are, Dan, and, and we'll, we'll tackle them one at a time. Terrific. Within the book, and the book is about leadership, societal change, and then literally healthcare and individuals' healthcare. And I, I started with leadership, and I so appreciate what you mentioned in the beginning here about leaders and marketeers, etc. It was 2014 that I had a chance to join Patrick Kennedy, Congressman Kennedy, in the State of the Union on Mental and Behavioral Health. And I started with a Native American proverb around listen to the whispers, how we have to listen to the whispers. And if we listen to the whispers, we don't have to hear the screams. Now, if you could imagine, that was at a time when people were around a campfire and what they were listening for, of course, were things that would go bump in the night, like coyote or something like that. But the screams, of course, were whatever would happen, that coyote would find whatever it was looking for. What's very interesting is Oprah Winfrey, in her last show on May 25th, 2011, she talked about the whispers. She said, whispers are messages, and if you don't hear the message, the message turns into a problem. And if you don't handle the problem, the problem turns into a crisis. And if you don't handle the crisis, it turns into the disaster. Your life is speaking to you. Listen to the whispers. And I believe what you said at the beginning is exactly what marketeers need to do. They have to listen to those whispers and bring them out and start asking questions about what are these whispers? What are we hearing? Why are we hearing that? And what should we do about it? Because if we don't, it turns into a disaster and a potential crisis. And could we be living in a world right now where we didn't listen to those whispers? And where are we now with some of the crises that are in front of us? Absolutely. 
when I think about it this way, so what are some, let's dive into that a little bit. Like what are some of those whispers that, that we're specifically talking about in regards to, to some of the themes of the book? So first of all, on leadership, studying the great leaders that made an impact in, in healthcare, I was struck by the fact that they all started by asking a question. And they would ask a question about how they could do things better or challenge someone. For instance, Dr. Paul Grundy, who's in the book uh, significantly, he would start out and ask people, who is your trusted healer? Who do you go to for your advice? And when you start thinking about communities and cultures and where we all had a trusted healer, many people think when I say a trusted healer, they remember an aunt or a grandmother or someone that was in their family that took care of everyone. Some people may remember a, an individual doctor or some people. But unless you can answer that question about who is your trusted healer, then you struggle with where do I go to be healed when I have medical situations? Do I have a medical home? Do I have a relationship with, with a doctor? Do I have that primary care doctor that I talk to on a regular basis? And that's what we talk about with a medical home, especially now that medical records are digitized. There's so much information about us. The last thing we want to do is, is self-describe who we are in a medical situation when we've got a condition and self-prescribe and self-medicate. So we need to have a trusted healer in our life that's a, that's a doctor that can help us or a nurse or a practitioner or a home where our information is and we can go talk to people about that, a medical home. And that's what we talk about in the book with the question, who is your trusted healers on the front end of that? Gotcha. Hey there, listeners. If you're all about listening to your website visitors to learn more about how to improve your website experience, then G-Site is for you. G-Site is a suite of digital improvement tools that capture the voice of the digital customer. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, co-founder of G-Site and founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a market research and brand consulting firm dedicated to helping hospitals and health systems find their brand voice. I co-developed this service offering with the team at Greystone.net several years ago. G-Site helps you prioritize and focus your website improvement and enhancement efforts. It's a suite of solutions including a pop-up website experience survey tool, a user-friendly dashboard and reporting tool, a user behavior tracking tool, expert consulting services, and more. What if I told you that 8% of your visitors have a new negative opinion of your brand after visiting your website? Now multiply that number by the total number of annual visitors. Does that number scare you? If so, go to www.graystone.net forward slash gsite to learn more about how we can help and sign up for an introductory overview. Hope to speak with you soon. Okay, so then, so that was one of the, the pillars. What was next? Well, societal change, because when you look at changes in society, it takes a while. So let me just give you a couple of examples. 40 is referenced in the Bible 146 times. Now, why is that? Because it represents a generation. And so when you look at things that have changed over time, Cigarette smoking, we used to have doctors that thought cigarette smoking was a good thing. And we actually put them on TV and their ads, et cetera, having doctors say cigarette smoking is good. Same thing with alcohol. We actually gave the boys that were fighting for us alcohol as part of what was going on. When you look at things that are in front of us today, such as vaping, 
what can we learn about how long it takes for when people say, well, this vaping thing is going to be a problem for us. So society moves over time. Medicare and Medicaid came out in 1965. Lyndon Baines Johnson came out. So many people were talking about we should take that apart, rip and replace Medicare and Medicaid. Well, when things are in society for an extended period of time, it's much better to change those to make them better than it is to take them out and start over again. Because when you start over again, you give up what we've learned. And what tells us the truth about society is if we haven't seen it before, we stand to make mistakes again. But something that we've seen before, we usually can build on and make better. And so that is the societal change, the lessons. I'll give you a couple other examples. 1928, there was a movie called Wings that was about air travel, and it was about being able to go to the moon. 40 years later, we put a man on the moon. 1968, Martin Luther King is shot. 40 years later, Barack Obama is president of the United States. There's all sorts of examples in society and in cultures about generations and how things change. So what does that mean for us today? Look at societal change. This conversation about Black Lives Matter. We've been having conversations about this societal change that's needed, and here it is coming to, to a head. These things didn't just happen yesterday, but they take time, and you see them move, and they pick up momentum. And we're in that inflection point, I think, in the country right now, with a significant change that people are asking for around Black Lives Matter. So I think that the book gives you an opportunity to go on this journey to see over time how these things have happened. And when you read the book and you see these significant transformations that have happened over time, it gives you comfort that this isn't just going to take over and it's the program du jour or the movement of the day. But when you put it in a 40-year cycle, you see that things start to move in different directions. You know, our first health record was in 1960. Our first health record. Everybody's talking about how these health records are so new. No, it wasn't until we had a stimulus in the 2000s that picked it up. Now, 98% of all hospital systems have, have health, health records. We all expect that. In the digital world, we all expect our health records to be captured someplace where we can see them and have visibility to them and a doctor, a nurse, or a practitioner can have that information. You see, there is something to this 40 years. Yeah, I see that. And when we think about healthcare's part in, in addressing the disparities of health in our society, that's one place that, that it's kind of humbling to realize the, the time that it takes for real societal change. So if we're talking about what's the responsibility, what's the responsibility of a healthcare organization to provide equal access, to be as fair and just as possible in giving access to care and in the way that we care for people of all different races, ethnic groups, uh, backgrounds, no matter who you are, in theory, we all ought to receive the same care, but we know that's not always the case or quite frequently is not the case. So I think this part of the discussion in particular is one that, that I'm glad it's starting to, to happen more often. We're starting to recognize the healthcare disparities that are out there and at least address them. Those things, the periods of societal change that have to happen, they do take time and they have to start somewhere. They have to start with, with some discussion, with some acknowledgement 
that change needs to happen. And and I, I'm curious what you think about that in terms of like what the what's anyone's role in healthcare? What's your responsibility to help address healthcare disparities? That's a great question. Let me say a couple of things. First, when we studied healthcare around the world, we saw that the better performing countries spent more money on upfront care, on well care versus sick care. And they spend roughly these other countries that perform better, 14 to 20% of their first dollar on healthcare on well care. We only spend five to 7% on well care. We spend most of our money on sick care, most of our attention on specialty care. We have the best specialty care in the world, undoubtedly, but we can do a far better job of educating upfront on what we should do to stay healthy. And the responsibility of an individual is really to know your numbers. You should know your blood pressure. You should know your cholesterol levels. You should know your glucose levels. You should pay attention to your weight. You should pay attention to the things that are stressful. You should stay away from nicotine. You should be up to date on your vaccines, and you should have a primary care doc. So if you know your six numbers, and if you have a relationship with a primary care doc, and you're able to put all of this together, including your vaccinations, then you have a significant opportunity to stay out of an emergency room and to have a higher quality of life, and to spend less money on healthcare on-pocket costs. So there is something that each and every one of us can do, and all of your listeners should, should hopefully know these numbers, but if not, they, they should. And that's know what your blood pressure is. Understand your cholesterol. Look at your glucose levels. Make sure you're not pre-diabetic. See what your weight is. Put yourself on some kind of program to try and control your weight. Check your stress levels. Stay away from nicotine and some of these other things that are not good for you, including vaping, and know who your doc is and and get your vaccinations. That is a great way to start. And then go see your primary care doc. Build a relationship. Have a trusted healer, someone that you can talk to about this and put yourself on a way that you can have better health care. And that's what we saw around the world. People that knew their numbers, that had a relationship with their doctor, were in some form of type of medical home where their information was was readily available. They had a better quality of life. They spent less money on healthcare and they were more likely not to be in an emergency room or a hospital situation. So then maybe part of that is if I'm kind of connecting these dots correctly, helping those who do not know their numbers, who do not have a relationship with a primary care doc, those are places to start potentially to help others have those things in their life, which empirically does increase your chance of having better health. Absolutely. And so your listeners, easy, go, go down to the local pharmacy and buy yourself a blood pressure cuff. It's far better to know what that looks like before you have an event that could be a stroke or something catastrophic that happens to you because you're running hot and your blood pressure is over a number. Understand what your cholesterol levels are and the impact that it has. Be able to understand the impact of glucose and sugar. Because 30% of the population today is diabetic or pre-diabetic. So those are areas where we can really make a difference and help people understand how they can be in a more of a well-care situation instead of a sick care. And then have a doc, a nurse, a practitioner, an organization, an institution, a practice, a primary care practice that helps you think about these things and calls you in for your exams and your physical, et cetera. There's a level of accountability and responsibility I think that we all have here. So when you get into right versus privilege and trying to have the right kind of care, yes, we should do more with Medicare and Medicaid. Yes, we should try and 
and up the poverty level so more people are under Medicaid. We should lower Medicare down to 55 instead of 65 and capture people before they get sick. Most hospital systems and researchers will tell you if you get past 57 without a chronic disease, there's a chance you're going to live a very long life. If you've got chronic disease problems before you're 57, then you're going to struggle and you're going to have some challenges on on the back half of your life. So there's things that we could do as society and pay attention to right versus privilege and ensure that we allow our populations that we serve in the U.S. to have a relationship with a trusted healer. But I tease people towards the end of the book and I say, could it, should it, will it be, should you be your trusted healer? Should you know these numbers? Should you take the responsibility to have that relationship with a primary care doctor? And should you be the one that starts paying attention to this? Let's not leave this problem to the doorstep of the emergency room. Let's do this at home. Yeah, you mentioned you've, you've learned some things or they've come over the years when we're talking about right versus privilege in healthcare from other countries. Any lessons learned there and anything that's, that's valuable for us to understand about, about that? Well, for sure, the biggest one is the amount of money and attention that's spent on well care versus sick care. You know, the fact that we only spend 5% on, on the front door of care, we spend more on, on, on the back end of care. And this gets into education. It gets into like this podcast today. Hopefully we'll reach some people that will say, hey, we need this, a family or me as an individual. I need to go see my primary care doc. I've got to do a better job of taking care of myself. People should be able to understand what they eat, how they move, how they think. This has tremendous impact on their cognitive capabilities over time as well. Just this whole concept of what am I eating? How am I moving? And how, what am I thinking about? Am I reading things? Am I paying attention to my cognitive capabilities? So we learn these things as we study other countries. And even in the U.S., the best performing systems in the U.S. where they paid attention to this, significant changes in uh, quality of life for individuals and their, their ability to live a, a long life and, and do the things that they want to do and, and add to society, contribute to society over time. I think these are such important questions to ask, things to think through because you have the personal level. Do I have these things in my own life? Do I have that relationship with a primary care doc? Do I know those numbers for myself, for my family members? And I love that thought of, of just of asking yourself, are, are you that trusted healer in your life first and foremost? But then do you have that relationship with that trusted healer for everything else that that is not within your control. And I'm fascinated by by this whole conversation. I think where it kind of leads me at least is as we kind of start putting putting some of these these things together is is I guess, you know, it all comes back to what can a somebody in a marketing role at a health system, at a provider, at any kind of healthcare organization, is there anything they can do? Because you mentioned education. Uh, right there, that makes me think there are things healthcare organizations can and should be doing to improve the healthcare of our communities. There are studies, there are examples, there are stories of health systems that have figured out, for instance, that it is actually less expensive for them to go feed the homeless in their community than wait and have to treat those same people, that same population, the homeless in their communities, because they're they're not going, you know, it's not going to work financially for them. They've actually figured out it's it not only cuts costs ultimately, but it makes them much better citizens in their community. They have addressed 
public health needs that they weren't doing before. I'm fascinated by things like that because you wouldn't necessarily say that it's a little out of the box thinking for a health system to think there's a cost associated with that. Why don't we just wait till they get sick and they come in, you know, we'll deal with, with things the way we normally do. But some health systems out there have been able to push past that and push through that and realize that there is a better way to do things. And there is this kind of sweet spot between what's best for patients, what's best for our communities and what's best for, for their business to keep. I mean, at the end of the day, hospitals and health systems can't totally be charities. And we all understand they have to bill, you know, they, or, or else the, uh, the innovation and the, and the treatments that, that they have there, they won't be able to, to do it. They, they won't be able to provide any services. So, so they can't give those things away for free, but there's such a, a sweet spot that I just don't hear enough about. And that's, that's what I'm hearing you talk about, this sweet spot of seeing yourself at a, as a citizen, working at a healthcare organization, understanding how the business still stays afloat, how you keep the lights on, how you grow the business so that you can bring the right types of providers. You can have the right types of technology to help with your treatment. And so there, it's that sweet spot. I think that's, that's the place that we can, we can start making some strides towards. We can start in that direction a little bit more, a little bit more intentionally, perhaps. And that was one of the themes I've, I've really taken away from the discussion about what's in the book and just this topic in general. So I've, I've really appreciated this. I don't know if you felt the same way or if, if there's another direction that you wanted to mention as we start to wrap up. I think you're right. You asked what people could do. I think what you're doing to provide a service of bringing this kind of information forward. I've listened to your other podcasts. They're bringing great ideas uh, forward. The, the world of telehealth now is changing appointments and how we have relationships with trusted healers. And I think people will embrace that more as that telehealth gets a chance to, to bring people from their living rooms and family rooms into the appointment room with the doctor and, and being able to have that relationship on a more regular basis. And so I think society is moving in a, in a good direction. I do think that some of these challenges and crises will bring us to better ideas. And people like you bringing people together on podcasts to share best practices hopefully gets uh, people to, to take action and, and to take responsibility, and, and in our case, in our conversation for their health care. I appreciate it. I, I agree. I appreciate you giving us a few minutes today, Dan. All right. So maybe it's that it's time for that, that little special something. I won't, we'll just see what happens here, but I'm wondering uh, how, how that's going to go for you. I'll just turn, turn the time over to you. Uh, you mentioned something before we go, you wanted to kind of share with us. I have a lot of respect for what you're doing. And of course, you're the healthcare rapper and a, a great branding. And I thought I'd just put together a little something just in respect for you. So um, if you don't mind here, I'll this is a, a global debut, if you will. So I've never rapped before. So, but uh, we'll give it a try. I don't know what you've been told, but if you want your healthcare to be gold, then let me be so very bold. Go see your primary care doc. Don't put it on hold. Start living your life. Don't fold or catch a cold or be like mold. Time for you to live your life and behold, be your best or explode. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so the world debut right there. I love it. We're gonna we're gonna give a name to this. We might even put a beat behind it or something. That was great. That's as good as I got though. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot we can do with this, you know. We might be onto something. Dan, it's been such a pleasure. I want to make sure we give you a, a chance to to tell people how to pick up the book if they want to do that. And if they want to connect with you, how do they do that? 
Yeah, Trusted Healers, uh, for sure. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. And then you can reach me at everyonemattersinconline.com. Or if you want to reach out to me personally, danpolino at gmail.com. Pretty straightforward and happy to take any questions or direct you in any way that I can. So uh, I've so enjoyed our time together. Thank you very much. Likewise, and I, I forgot to mention how how awesome it was. And like, not only is the subject matter of the book so good, but I failed to mention about how it just went straight to a number one bestseller on Amazon right when it came out in September. So uh, people go check it out. Go pick up a copy of the book. Learn a little bit more about this. And Dan, we'll have to have you back on again. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right. Hey, thanks to Dan. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to be a part of the Marketing Forward movement. Keep listening, subscribe if you haven't yet, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the brand new Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's podcasts and video series about shifting the way that healthcare is experienced. So on behalf of Dan and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap.